Welcome to Arts Career Evolutions by Out of the Arts. Your hosts are Beth and Amy. We will help you bridge the gap between an arts career and a career outside the arts industry. Is she an opera singer? A physicist? A voice teacher? An engineer? Mariami Bekauri is all of these things and more. With two bachelor's degrees and two master's degrees following very different but parallel career paths, Mariami could wake up any day and choose to make a full career out of either her opera and pedagogy training or her physics and engineering training. With very different requirements and expectations, it can be hard to hold on to both dreams in the face of scrutiny. So, how has Mariami managed to balance these two passions? And more importantly, why? Hi, Mariami. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, Mariami and I met a few years ago when I was doing my second degree and she was doing her second master's (laughs) and we actually had a mutual friend who texted each of us separately and said hey I know this person they're also in the Fredonia area right now you should say hi it turned out we were in a class together and so we met we got coffee and then it was basically like platonic love at first sight we were like essentially best friends after that we clicked really well uh and mariami has an awesome background that i am so fascinated by which is a background in both music and opera performance and physics and engineering So can you just kind of give us a rundown of your background and your degrees and your, how you ended up pursuing both? Sure, I'd be happy to. So as Amy mentioned, we met while I was completing my second master's, which actually implies that I have three degrees. Um, so my first was, uh, I did my bachelor's at Wellesley college, which is an all women's institution just outside of Boston. And I did a double major in physics and in music. I started out as a physics major and to my shock and surprise, I stayed a physics major, but during that time of pursuing a liberal arts education, I also tacked on my music degree because I, I was taking voice lessons all four years while I was at Wellesley and very seriously pursued music. Um, I was in the Chamber Music Society. I was in the Wellesley Chamber Singers and in the Wellesley um, College Choir, which was the larger choral ensemble there. So Basically, as much music as I could do, I did. And as part of taking lessons for credit, you had to take a co-requisite music course for every year that you took those lessons. So I did that and took even more music classes. And by the time I got to the end of my junior year, I realized, hmm, well, I only need four more courses in order to complete the major. So I might as well just do that. So that was how I ended up with the music degree. And I honestly, in my senior year, was considering going down two paths. I was 
considering going and getting a graduate degree in physics or engineering. But then I also, because I loved the performing so much, was considering maybe doing a master's uh, in music. And the first program I remember looking at was um, actually Binghamton's uh, MM in opera performance because they have their Tri-Cities Opera thing. I, in hindsight, I am so happy that I did not go to grad school for music at that time because, you know, now I realize being much more experienced that my voice was not at all ready. I was only 21 and relative to a lot of the people who, you know, go to Fredonia for their undergrad um, had gotten a later start in terms of taking voice lessons and finding my voice and stuff. So I'm glad I had a little more time to mature. So I ended up going to grad school to get my first master's degree at Brown University. That's in Providence for those listening who aren't sure where that is. So still in the New England area. Um, I was addicted to that region for a while. And I was there for two years doing my master's in engineering. And I was doing research in a lab as a graduate research assistant while I was there. But the hilarious irony during all of this was that I couldn't quite kick or get past, you know, my love of music. And I still wanted to pursue that very seriously. And um, if you look at my transcripts from Brown, there's all my engineering courses. I also took voice lessons for credit <laughs> while an engineering graduate student. <laughs> so I, you know, I still very seriously pursued music as much as I could while I was there. I was in all of the student run, little like opera and Gilbert and Sullivan productions that I could be in. I was in the Brown university chorus and we got to tour Cuba in my second year there. So that was one of my most rewarding experiences. So I'm really surprised you know. that they even let you like, I'm really surprised that you're going somewhere for an engineering masters and they were like, yeah, yes. sure. You can take these other classes. I mean, I will be honest. I kind of kept it on the DL that I was doing as much music as I was. And my advisor actually wasn't 100% happy when he found out. And he was like, you should be spending more time in the lab. I'm like, well, I'm spending at least eight hours a day in the lab. I would like to have something else for myself. So that was a difficult thing. And it's, you know, and that might be one of the later questions, but that was one of the difficulties I encountered. And which was one of the things that was hard for me being in scientific academia, I think is probably the best way to put it is that there was this sort of, you know, you need to single-mindedly focus on this one thing and there shouldn't be too many other interests outside of that. And that's very hard for me. You know, I, I would say coming from a liberal arts background, but I would just say my upbringing in general, the household I was raised in, you know, my parents, especially my mom encouraged all of us. I'm the oldest of five kids to, um, you know, just explore and be curious about as many things as possible and never discouraged us from sort of pursuing all of our interests as, as far as we could, as long as we were able to balance them. And that's easier the younger you are, and then you find the older you get. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but as you take on more responsibilities and different things require more education, you find yourself having to narrow these things down. But that was a difficulty for me. But I did make it through the master's and kept that balance as best as I could with music. And I considered sticking around in the Providence area, but nothing quite panned out. So I ended up coming home and I worked as a lab technician at the 
Cornell Agricultural Experiment Station, which is right in my hometown of Geneva. So I was actually in plant pathology, which you wouldn't think engineering skills necessarily transfer over. But ultimately, fundamentally, what I have found is, you know, the skills that are required in any sort of lab or research setting are pretty universal and just that general comfort level of being in a lab and working with different chemicals and different instruments and being able to learn how to use those quickly, but also safely and having a certain level of understanding and ability with that. It, it actually transfers over much more than one would think. Yes, there's different instruments or different tests that you run depending, but from one engineering lab to the next, honestly, you're using different instrumentation depending on, because research is so specific. So I was very happy in that job and I really loved it there. It was one of my favorite jobs I think I've ever had. In that period of moving home, I, you know, had some time to reflect again, you know, at my parents' encouragement and decided because music had always been this lifelong passion and I'd gone back and forth between the music and the science, I decided, well, I guess now would be the time if I want to, to try and pursue music further and you know, I had had, I don't want to say always, because I don't know that most children grow up always knowing that they want to do opera. But when I was 16, I had had the opportunity to be in an opera chorus. So since that period, I will say, so since I was like 16, I'd been bitten by the bug. So I, I had wanted to um, see how far I could take it with that. So I spent that year applying to different music programs and going around and auditioning. And I decided to go to the School of Music at Fredonia. And a huge part of that, which ties into this overall theme of balancing multiple passions and eclectic backgrounds, is that I met Dr. Haas. And I actually wrote to her because I had, before I visited and auditioned, because I was going you know, through all of the different uh, voice professors who were listed on the site and reading their backgrounds. And I noticed that this teacher had a bachelor's in chemistry. And I was like, that seems, you know, kind of crazy that that would be so close to my background. So I was like, I have to write to this woman. And I you know, I told her everything in the email. And I was like, she might think, who is this person? But instead, she wrote me a big, long email back and um, told me about her background and how she'd balanced the two or gone back and forth between the two. And so we had that connection via email. And then we had an even stronger connection, you know, when we met in person. So that was really the deciding factor for me over some of the other institutions that I got into and sort of going back, Beth, to your point about, or me mentioning that, you know, my advisor hadn't been that necessarily that happy about me doing music and wasn't 100% the most supportive advisor. Um, it just wasn't that great of a fit for the two of us. It was very important to me on my second go around getting my second master's that I really chose it for the person I was studying with more even than the prestige of the school. And not that Fredonia has anything to be shy about with its prestige, but it was really the number one thing for me. And so I can safely say that the biggest reason for me going there was because of Dr. Haas. 
Can you restate or go into detail about why you decided to go for a second master's instead of just continuing voice lessons, instead of just going to a place that has a large opera scene and working within that scene? Why do a second master's? It was my feeling based on just sort of my general experience that being actually at an institution and part of that student body would open up more opportunities for me to truly delve into my artistic studies, but then also just have more opportunities as a student. And I I was very self-aware of, or am, about the fact that because I came from this liberal arts background and because I'd been focused on science for a while, I wasn't necessarily at the same level as other singers my age who had gone to a conservatory and just started out 100%, you know, voice performance as an undergrad and gone that way. I knew I was a little bit behind them. I also had a master's in engineering, though, for that. So I felt like it was important that I actually do go back to school and work on a master's. And again, that was that was another great thing about Fredonia is that it's as a master's student, it's a very small program. So you're very much integrated with all of the other undergrads, but I think it works very beautifully. And it was the perfect program for me. Cool. Do you, you made some comment. Do you feel like you're living, you, you live this dual life or did you get to a point where you're like, no, I am just made of both of these. Um, I think for a long time, it felt like a dual life, especially in in grad school for each of the respective degrees. In undergrad, you know, I kind of had the luxury of it. It was sort of, it felt like, oh, I can equally pursue both of these. But then with grad school, you kind of have to make a choice. So with engineering, I had to very much make the choice if I'm going to be a scientist right now and my hobby is singing. But then going back to school for music, it was that, you know, I'm very much a singer. Oh, and yeah, I can do math and science on the side. So it, it was very hard for me because, you know, I realized, I think I've always known, but there were times when I think I sort of deceived myself into feeling like I can satisfy, I can satisfy myself completely with just one of these things. And that is true for the science, but that's also true for the music there was a time when I was like, yeah, I'll be happy just pursuing music. And, you know, science was a past life. But there was a small part of me or a larger part of me that felt sort of unfulfilled by not pursuing that. So I think it's only very recently and, you know, inadvertently as a result of this pandemic that I feel like I'm just starting to get to that back to that sort of balance of feeling like, all right, I can pursue both of these things, maybe not in the ways I had envisioned pursuing either of them, but I am doing both and I'm happy doing both. How are you doing both now? I recently actually got back into my engineering background. I got a new job where I'm working as a lab technician for a uh, steel casting materials plant and it's part of a much larger company that does a lot with ceramics and fused minerals. Um, So all material science topics, which was really exciting for me. 
so I just started working there and I, I love it and it's very satisfying. And, um, the, you know, this is just actually within the last two months. And I realized th this is something that I was missing very much in my life and needed to be back doing. And then the music it's, you know, it's been harder just as a result of the pandemic anyways, to do as much as I was before, because I was, as Amy already knows, I was very actively pursuing music in the Buffalo scene and building a small career. I, you know, sometimes I feel a little arrogant saying that, but a small career performing career in Buffalo, because this is where I had all my connections from Fredonia, but that was obviously put to a quick halt, but things are starting to get back up and going in Buffalo. And I've maintained, um, some very important connections like to the Buffalo Philharmonic Chorus. That has been a really wonderful group. And the director of it, Adam Lubke, has been super supportive to me um, basically for my entire time I've been in Buffalo. And that's given me a lot of wonderful opportunities, opportunities, you know, to perform as part of a large chorus and even be part of a Grammy win. But super then also fancy. some, yes. But then also even very small solo opportunities with the Buffalo Philharmonic. So that's been one of the most important connections to me, as well as a few others. So that's one that I've maintained through the pandemic. But then also I've started to, I, I even did my own self-produced virtual recital that was very satisfying. So that's something I wouldn't have even thought to do in a pre-COVID period of time. And then I've, you know, I've always been fairly active in singing with my um, church's chorus. I, I attend an Orthodox Christian church in Buffalo. And, you know, choral singing, acapella choral singing is a very integral part of the service and is essential for the flow of the service. A significant part of the service is sung. It's a very different kind of singing from what I was originally pursuing but it's still very satisfying a lot of it is quick sight reading that you have to do on the fly and a lot of singing so that's something that's been very fulfilling and rewarding for me to delve even more deeply into especially since I'm making a second 180 so I made my first 180 from the engineering to the music and then it feels like I'm making sort of a 180 back to the engineering in a way and the music is taking a back seat. So it's been a little hard recently because I had been up up until everything shut down working as an adjunct at some of the local colleges in Buffalo and then that allowed me the time and freedom to pursue performing very actively. What were you adjuncting um, as? I was adjuncting as a voice teacher at Buffalo State. And then I was also an adjunct at uh, Houghton College at one of their uh, extension sites in Buffalo because their, their main campus is about an hour and a half away from here. But there I taught a general music, music history course in the fall. And then in the spring, I actually taught a physics of music course, which was more a physics course. So, so there, again, balancing the science with the music. Um, I'll tell you, I took a physics of music course, and I'm pretty sure that I only got a C because he saw me work and try so hard. I 
worked so hard in that class. I cried more about that class than I cried about any other class in grad school. And uh, he, he passed me. I think I got a B or C. But I think it's only because I really worked hard. Uh, it was not my gift. But very cool <laughs> class. <laughs> yes. And the worst part about it was that uh, midway through the semester, it went online. So it was even harder for all the students. So I tried not to make it too overwhelming. That That was what I was teaching. And I actually even filled in for a semester sabbatical that Dr. Haas took. I can't remember because everything, I think it was in the fall of 2019. So I I did a sabbatical replacement for her. So I even got to teach at Fredonia for a brief stint. So it was all very fun. But the hard thing about being an adjunct is it really isn't an income that you can support yourself on entirely. And not at all. Not at all. No. Not even like... Not even close, girl. I'm yeah, no. We both lived that life and both steered away from it for exactly that reason. <laughs> yeah, so I was able to sort of tie things together when I had the performing. But when everything just shut down with the pandemic, it really wasn't going to work. So I I technically had those the Buffalo State and the Houghton jobs, but literally just for financial reasons, I had to drop those and find something else. I worked for... I think it was about nine months. It was from May of 2020 to mid-March of 2021. So however long that was at a startup in Buffalo, which was a great job at the time. I met my current boyfriend there. So that hey, was boyfriend. fun. boyfriend, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, it was a fun job, but it wasn't something that I wanted to be doing for the rest of my life, really. Um, it wasn't really anything related to either of my backgrounds and so I that was when I started going all right well I can't just wait for performing to come back because I think that's going to take a very long time and so I was like well why don't I look into getting back into you know my research scientific background and so that was when I started looking around for these jobs I think that was around January and then I, I ultimately ended up getting this job, which is <laughs> hilariously the closest to my science degree. Actually, you know, it actually is material science. It's not like, oh, it's a sciencey degree, but just in an entirely different field of science. No, this is in my field of science. So that's really satisfying and really fulfilling. And it's such a wonderful community that's there. I think the product that we make is really cool. We make steel fluxes, which is what you use to cover steel during the steel casting process. And it protects the steel from oxidization, but then it also melts as a semi-ceramic-like material. It's a powder or granular. And so you just sort of dump it on top of the steel. And it also lubricates the sides of the molds for the steel to go through that. So hopefully I'd like to get a little bit more into the research and development side of things with this. But for now, you know, I'm doing a lot of the technical lab work, which is also a lot of fun. And I just love doing that kind of stuff. It's been very satisfying. And really these past almost, we'll say two and a half months that I've been working there. So going back, I know I've gone off a ways, but going back to your question of have you felt like you're living a dual life for a long time? Yes. And now I finally feel like I've 
balanced having this work life in the sciences and then, you know, maybe not pursuing music as completely and fully as I was before. But the trade-off is that I'm able to feel fulfilled in that one aspect of my life that I wasn't and, you know, still satisfy my musical needs. I think I'm doing that. So, of course, it's impossible to say what the future has in store, right? But let's talk about where you see yourself now. You're now feeling fulfilled in your job. Do you feel like this is it? Or do you feel like, I mean, you and I are very similar in that one day, it's like, this is great, so happy, so fulfilled. And the next day, you're like, maybe I'll just move to Peru and learn how to make (laughs) baskets. Like, so, so where do you see yourself 5, 10, 20 years down the line, given that you you finally feel like you found some balance now? I feel like I can pretty confidently, but again, you know, if there's anything that life has taught me, you know, I thought I was going to be a college professor teaching physics when I was an undergrad and that I was going to go on and get my PhD in physics or engineering. And that ended up being very different. But at this point, I would say I do see myself staying at this particular company in this position, or maybe not in this position, but staying at this company in the long term. I would say it's one of the best work experiences that I've had of any of the jobs that I've had since I started working. And I realize I haven't been there a long time, but um, the people are all great. The research is really cool. I think the product is really great. I think the overall large company is wonderful. And I don't mean for this to be an ad for them in any way. It's okay. We still don't know who they are, which is fine. You yeah. Don't need yeah. To yes. yeah. I kind of like <laughs> rather just not. Great. That's right. But I, I think I do see myself staying there long term. I think there's a lot of opportunities to advance in very fulfilling ways with this. I I see myself staying in Buffalo because, um, or in the greater Buffalo region, because I've had so many opportunities here and so many connections. So if I have to take a step back, which realistically I do right now because of the job, the the shift that I'm currently on is a 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. So that doesn't leave a lot for evening rehearsals, unfortunately. So that's been a little bit of a hard thing to come to terms with is you know, that is that this is going to have to take a priority. But I I don't really see that being as a long-term thing necessarily. I think there will still be ways for me to perform. I think, realistically speaking, I think opera is not something that I will be able to actively pursue in the ways that I did. I was supposed to be in two operas this summer, but I had to give those up because, you know, the the two-week minimum rehearsal schedules that most operas sort of require you to be there for, it just doesn't work with a normal work schedule. You can't take off that much time from work. So that's hard. But performing in concerts and um, with, with different ensembles that have uh, rehearsals that aren't every single day, all day, I I think there's a lot of that and there will continue to be more of that as things start to open up, which, you know, thankfully it seems like we're getting a little bit back to some sort of normalcy with that. You know, I already had an opportunity to perform even over the pandemic. The Buffalo Philharmonic Chorus did Messiah, which they recorded 
and then televised around the holidays. And I got to sing the alto as the alto soloist for that. And that was just a, I think it was a Saturday morning rehearsal and then Saturday afternoon recording session. So things like that are very fulfilling for me. So, you know, it doesn't need to be Cinderella in full costume all the time for it to still be a fulfilling and enjoyable musical experience. And I think with moving towards a more normal, right now it's not a nine to five, but a regular paycheck and a regular schedule, those are more of the thing, the sorts of gigs that I'll be able to balance with that sort of work life. And it's been something even in over just the past month, I've had to come to terms with because it was about what, two years, I think that I was, or maybe I, I lose track of time now. But yeah, I guess I would say like two, two and a half years, I guess this will make it three years now since I graduated of being in that mentality of pursuing every single gig that comes your way and cramming multiple gigs and multiple rehearsals even into a single day and not having much free time. And it, and it's not that it isn't worth it or that that isn't enjoyable and that that was 100% what I wanted to do at the time. But I think, you know, we all know that priorities change in life. That was exciting, but it wasn't 100% balanced for me personally. And so I, I do like having this balance now of maybe it's a little bit less of taking every single gig I want um, versus maybe taking more of the occasional gig enough to remind myself that, yes, I do know how to sing. I did get a degree in this. But then also being able to pursue science in a way that I haven't been able to perform, uh, been able to pursue so far in my scientific career. I mean, point blank, I don't think Amy or I am surprised anymore when we hear from people talk about how they have transitioned to a new job and how much happier they are because they're getting paid better they have more consistent hours. They're not struggling to find work all the time. Like, we keep hearing this story. And while it's sad because, I mean, the arts are losing so many people so consistently. And they're losing so many relationships. And they're losing experience. Because after your 20s, and I have no idea how old you are. I'm just ballparking. <laughs> I can speak for myself. When you're in your early 20s and your mid-20s, it's fine to work all the time. It's fine to, you know, oh, can someone go check on my dog? Oh, I'll run home in the middle of the day. Oh, I don't need to see family for like three weeks at a time. Sure, I can work 60-hour weeks consistently, 80 hours for tech, put up a show, and then crash after the show. This is totally normal. Isn't this what everybody does? We can do that. And then we hit a point where we're like, fuck it. What are we doing? And, you know, we were talking to somebody recently who left her job as a box office manager and worked at a front desk and was making more. And she's like, why, why does this make sense? How, how is this still happening? Um, and, and it's a damn shame for our community that's losing the experience because everyone's leaving in their late 20s or 30s or whatever. But a lot of people are leaving just for that stability reason. Yeah. And I would say that that's a huge part of it for me is, you know, I, 
I don't want to live check to check anymore. And and you have an engineering degree. Like, you don't need yes. to live check to check. Exactly. There's no right. <laughs> reason. Well, that's the thing. So, um, you know, the reason I was willing to do what I was doing before is it's good to say, you know, you, you sort of build up this mindset and you get stuck in it because it's a, this larger mindset that we're sort of ingrained into. And of course, you know, there's a small part of, I mean, I'm a singer, uh, surprise. Uh, <laughs> but you know, of course there's a small part of every classical singer I would say, who's like, well, yeah, if I had a shot at the Met, I would like to go to the Met. So you're working hard saying, how far can I take this? At this point now, I can confidently say, you know, I'm not going to go to the Met. It, that's okay. I, I'm okay with this fact. <laughs> but I also, you know, like you were saying, am less inclined. You know, I'm 29, so still embracing what I have left of the 20s, a few months. At 100%, I identify with that. You know, I would rather just have the evening to chill and go out for dinner or something. I mean, now that we can, now that it's a lot safer. <laughs> Fully maxed and enjoy the evening with my boyfriend rather than cram in a bunch of musical rehearsals for a bunch of gigs that I maybe feel semi-lukewarm about. Um, or companies <laughs> that you feel lukewarm about. Like, the other thing we hear is how people aren't feeling... Amy, you can probably say all this much more eloquently than I can. Do you know where I'm going? Yeah, a lot of just a lot of people talking about taking jobs because they feel like they have to, but the ideals and morals and the way these companies run are very toxic and you're literally just there for the paycheck and the quote unquote experience while also being miserable and yes. kind of working having to work through not agreeing with how they handle certain policies or having to just sit there and take racism or sexism or all of these terrible toxic things just because you need the paycheck or you need it for your union card or like whatever it may be and that's not fair yeah I, I agree and I think you know as artists we've all done those gigs we've gone through the period of like well any gig is a good gig and at least it's a paycheck or oh, we've all heard the, oh, visibility thing and exposure. So, yes, you know, I, I was in that phase of taking everything. And I will admit that right up, up until everything shut down with the pandemic, I was, like, in that month or two before, I was starting to actually feel kind of overwhelmed because I, I was getting asked to do so many different things and I felt like I couldn't say no. Um but then it was just like one thing after another after another, and I was starting to stop enjoying it. So, I don't know, not that a deadly global pandemic is anything to be grateful for, but, um, you know, it is this large thing that happened. So, I was like, well, I guess it took a pandemic to force me to sort of reevaluate and go, I need to take a break. And so, part of what I you know, sort of decided for myself coming out of that is moving forward. I wasn't going to just take gigs. I was only going to take things that I thought I would enjoy so that my overall quality of life would feel more enriched. And I was starting to 
feel like it was taking away from my overall quality of life, which was not how it was when I first started out of, oh boy, I'm going to you know pursue as much as I can here in the music Buffalo musical life. But it was starting to feel that way. And I think it was just because it was too many things that I was taking on all at once. So with that, as things have slowly started to trickle back in with performance, it's been a little bit easier in a way to balance that and be like, oh, yeah, I'll take this. I won't take that. Not that a ton of things <laughs> started coming. But, you know, there there is some stuff like that one gig that I mentioned. That was a really fantastic experience. And it was something that I really just wanted to do. And that's what I'm trying to find more of now. And that's part of the balance. And whether you have another passion or not, that really should be a thing is and it's hard because it's the mentality in a way that we're taught in school which it's good not to think you're too far above certain gigs but if it's not something you think you'll enjoy if it's not something you think will be fulfilling don't do it just don't force yourself to do stuff like that what would you what would you have somebody like what would be your your saying for somebody if they're debating whether to take a job or not like what or they're debating, you know, do I stay and continue to push for, you know, this vocal career or do I maybe look at something else? What would be the thing you ask them or tell them? I think it would really be what is it that what is it that you really love? Um so if you're someone who really loves music and singing, and you're like, oh, but I guess I should get I should get this kind of job because it'll pay better. That is entirely the wrong mentality. If you love singing, then you'll make it. You might have to take some job at a coffee shop to make it work, or or whatever. But don't just go into some other career path just because it, you know, is billed as having a better paycheck. That's you know not the reason to go forward with that because you'll never be happy. We all know it's a hard path. But if that's what you love, you can make it work. And I was making it work while I could. But, you know, I have this other passion and this other degree. And it's it's a whole other part that I could balance. So I guess I, I would say, ask yourself what you love. And at all crossroads in my life, career, academic career, maybe we can put it that way so far. You know, I've asked myself, what am I going to regret more by not doing so getting out of the engineering master's degree and then thinking like well should I go continue on and get a PhD should I try and get a job in engineering at that time I was like I am going to regret it if I don't try to pursue music further because then I'll always ask what if so try to leave yourself with as few what ifs as possible The big caveat I will add to that is, if at all possible, try to take on as little debt while doing that, which, as we all know, is very hard with music. But take into account financial factors when choosing a school or choosing some sort of path, because that that definitely just, I know it's not romantic or in any sort of way of like, oh, choose the place where it feels the best. Um, Fredoni did happen to feel the best. They also gave me the most generous graduate student package of any of the places that I was considering. So that that was also a big part of it. And it has left me in a more financially comfortable position as a result, which we don't think of that at the time because we're all thinking, oh, well, I'm going to be the one who makes it. 
but most of us aren't the ones who make it. And that, that I, I don't really even like saying that, but, um, making it look you know, so different, making it does not mean being at the mat because exactly we don't think about our priorities changing. We don't think about, you know, getting married and having kids and having like, we don't think about other things in life because in, at one point in your life, it's not as important. Yes. So even the idea of making it, we don't talk enough about how that concept changes. Exactly. And I think when you're a young singer or musician in school or in grad school, you think you're going to make it by getting into an orchestra or you're going to have some successful, you're going to be the person who can completely support yourself on your performing career. But in reality, so few people do that. And I feel like it's something that isn't talked about enough in schools and professors don't have that discussion to say, you know, there's other ways of making it. You can have a successful career or you can perform and feel fulfilled by it, but it's not, you know, the thing that's supporting you 100% financially. So you don't want to take on a huge amount of debt in something that isn't really going to be bringing in a lot of money necessarily. And this is in no way to discourage people from pursuing it. I, I don't think there's a way to keep a person from doing it. I, I say this as someone myself who sort of tried to fight that and went to engineering school and then was like, oh, but I still want to be an opera singer. So once you have that feeling, you can't fight it and you need to go. But just to take that into consideration, you end up realizing how important that is after school when you're trying to get a job of like, well, shit, I took on kind of a lot of debt. It doesn't mean a lot to you when you're in school. It's a very abstract thing, these loans that you take on. But then when it's time to pay them back, that's that's a burden you're strapping yourself with. And then it's suddenly a whole extra pressure and you have less freedom in terms of what kind of job you can take and the urgency of needing a job. And it needs to pay X amount versus just needs to be enough to pay my basic bills. Um so these are things that we don't think about, but things that later impact our overall quality of life. So I know this is a long and complicated answer as advice for people, but it's really to ask yourself what you're going to have the most regret about. If you're thinking of switching away from music, I know I was saying, oh, well, make sure you're not taking a lot of debt. But also at the same time, don't just take a job because it pays well. Because, and studies have shown this too, that, you know, people don't stay for the money, they stay for the work environment. Mm -hmm. So make sure it's a field or a career or specifically just that workplace itself is one that you want to stay in and are happy in. Yes, that's what I'd say. Officially, if you had one piece of advice to give to someone who is pursuing two passions or feeling like you have to make a choice between two passions or career paths, what is your one piece of advice for them? If it's two people pursuing two separate passions, I would say pursue them both as far as you can. And you will know the point that you've reached when you have to make a decision and until you've reached that point, you know, don't just give up on one. Don't switch to one or the other because the one seems like a better career path or you feel like you can't pursue the other one. Just 
continue with them both if there are two things that you really love. And, you know, I think I've sort of an extreme example of that with two master's degrees. <laughs> but it can be done. And it can be challenging at times. And there will ultimately come a point when you have to choose one or the other. Or at, depending on what stage you're in of your life, you might have to lean towards one more than the other. But ultimately, I have actually never had to fully give up either. So yeah, just, just take them as far as you can. And you know, I know it sounds trite, but uh, don't worry about it until you have to worry about it. And it will it will be obvious at the point when you're like, wow, I'm really at a crossroads and I, I just can't do this anymore. And that's actually unlikely to happen. I mean, depending on what your two interests are, I have never been at a point where I completely had to give up either of the two disparate fields that I'm in. Um. So that would be my advice is just go for it as far as you can. Is there anything that you wanted to say that we didn't talk about? I don't know. I, I feel like we've covered so much. <laughs> I will probably think of something after this. Um, but I don't know. I have other interests outside of science and music. I, I like playing sports. I love Star Trek. Amy knows this. We went to the <laughs> Nickel City Comic Con together. I don't know how you have time for anything else. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the most frequently asked questions for Mariami is how do you do these other things? <laughs> well, also, Mariami does not have ADHD, so Mariami can focus on things and get shit done. <laughs> Unlike the two of us who are just <laughs> disaster. <laughs> uh, Mariami and I are also in a book club together. Yeah, Mariami just does a lot. You do a lot of stuff. Yeah, I do. It keeps life interesting. Mm -hmm. And the ironic thing is I'm technically doing less right now because I'm performing less, but it leaves so much more time to like go on hikes. I go home to visit my family I feel like more frequently than I used to because I don't have rehearsals every weekend so it's been really nice and of course I have sing performers or musicians or whatever guilt of like oh did I give up too easily I'm like so what if I did? I'm having a good time. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you, I personally still have that. It's been almost 10 years since I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm just going to keep going the direction I'm going and not try and fight my way back. And, you know, I still perform here and there, but again, only when I want to and only what I want to do. I still teach. I still do the things I enjoy doing. I'm able to cherry pick and get what I want out of it. And I also got to a point where I was kind of getting burned out and disillusioned and disenfranchised by the industry as a whole and found that I didn't want to be in it full time. And every time I'm like, oh, did I give up too soon? I really miss it. I wish I could get back to it. I know that at 34, as soon as I tried to jump back into that 23-year-old life, it would not go well. <laughs> it would not go well for anyone. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, Thank you, Mariami, for joining us. It has been wonderful having you. Thank you so much. It's been great sharing, I don't know, 
my life experience. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening. Don't forget to come join the conversation at outofthearts.com and on social media at Out of the Arts. If you like today's podcast, please make sure to subscribe, share, and tune in next time. Arts Career Evolutions podcast was created, written, and produced by Beth Partham and Amy Shake. Because we are super excited to flaunt our awesome transferable skills in any way we can. Speaking of, audio engineering by Beth Partham and music by Amy Shake. Because... As long as we're still paying on our student loans, you better bet we're going to keep using our degrees in the way they were intended. Arts Career Evolutions podcast is copyrighted by Out of the Arts LLC 2021.